So as we look into to the Word of God this morning, uh, again, like I said, I hope you're praying for me and for one another, and that the Lord will bless us during this time that we're gathered together here. Uh, as many of you know, uh, going back a few months, I took a, I think, was it uh, a couple of weeks ago anyway, or last week, or la- last last Sunday afternoon, I guess it was, I told some folks, I said, I, I took a little break from the some of the things that we talked about for a number of months, and talked about the gospel and the purpose of the gospel, and uh, how the how the gospel uh, is the good news of Jesus Christ. That, that's what gospel means itself is that it's good news, and so uh, we need to be proclaiming the good news. Uh, but this morning, if the Lord would bless, I want to turn back once again and take uh, what may be one of the last uh, sermons that we talk about as far as uh, the the phrase of take heed. Uh, uh, we've been looking at that for a number of months now, and. Uh, there's uh, at least at least one left that I want to take a look at. Uh, here a few weeks ago, we talked about some things from Second Peter chapter one, uh, and in Second Peter chapter one, he mentions the fact that we uh, he says that we today talking about the the, the church of the New Testament, uh, and I guess that's especially in comparison to the to the Old Testament. Uh, uh, people of of God that had the uh, had the prophecies of the coming of Christ, but he said we have a more sure word of prophecy today. Why? Because we have Jesus Christ has actually come. He's actually appeared. Uh, they've actually saw him uh, fulfill the scriptures uh, with his death upon the cross. They saw him lifted back up into heaven, and we have that recorded for us today of the of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the fact that he's defeated death. Uh, for those that the Father gave gave to him, and so uh, he's defeated death. He's uh, paid the price for our sins, and so when we talk when we talk about uh, the gospel being good news, it is truly good news, and we have a sh- more sure word of prophecy than those people did. You know, uh, there will be there will be a day uh, out here in the future somewhere uh, that. Uh, uh, we we will be able. I, I trust. I try to put this in the right words. But when we're one of these days, when we're gathered together with God and the great host of heaven, and and the world as we know it now is no more, uh, we will have a more sure word of the expectation of what this what this life is going to be one of these days because we're going to be there, okay? We won't have to be reading in the Scripture about how Jesus is going to come in the clouds. We won't have to read about how all the holy angels will be coming together with Him. We'll, have, we'll know it because we've seen it, we've experienced it, and we're living it. Uh, that I, I say that to put that in comparison to what Peter's talking about here when he says we have a more sure word of prophecy than those people that came before them. Why? Because they had actually seen Jesus. Uh, above this, in the in, first, in Second Peter chapter one, he says, uh, "We have not followed." Verse sixteen, he says, "For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of His Majesty." He said, "We saw Him." We saw him go up on the Mount of Transfiguration. We saw him there uh, along with uh, uh, with uh, Moses and Elijah and Jesus. And we saw Jesus kind of, I don't even know how to do this exactly, but we saw Jesus take and peel back his flesh just a little bit and revealed his glory. They saw him in his some of his shining glory there on the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, and he says, so we're not here telling you some, some cunningly devised tale or story. He says, 
I'm telling you what I saw. And what I saw was Jesus Christ. I saw him die upon the cross. I saw them bury him. I went to the tomb. It was empty. I went. Uh, I, I, I saw him come and appear to me uh, there in the house where we were gathered together. I saw him appear to me on the seashore where he challenged me to feed my sheep and feed my lambs. And I saw him ascend right back up into the very heavens of itself. I'm not telling you some tale. I'm telling you what I saw. Okay? So we have a more sure word of prophecy. He says in verse 19, Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed. You would do well to take heed to this sure word of prophecy that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is King. Jesus Christ is Savior. You would do well to take heed to that. For he says, <coughs> as a light that shineth in a dark place. I've told, I've, I've shared, I guess, the story. Many of you probably have experienced some of the same things. Me and uh, when uh, me and uh, Darce were uh, in uh, in Branson, Missouri, back a few months ago, uh, there at uh, uh, Silver Dollar City or whatever the name of the place is now. <laughs> uh, the uh, we were there, and they've got a cave on site. Well, in this cave. Uh, part of this, they carried us down, down in there. You get down in there. One of the things they do while you're there, of course, like if you've ever been on any cave trip, uh, they don't all do this, but some of them, they'll get you down there underground and they'll cut the lights off so you can see just how dark it is when there is no light. Okay. And then somebody will turn on a little, then they've got it, the switches, I guess they'll turn on one little light way over there somewhere. And you'll be surprised when you're in total darkness. One little light means a whole lot. <laughs> uh, or maybe just turn on one little flashlight in the crowd. You know, one little thing will, will make a big, big difference. Well, he says, you would do well to take heed to this more sure word of prophecy that we have, that Jesus Christ is the Savior, that Jesus Christ actually came here. You would do well to take heed to that uh, as a light that shineth in a dark place. Boy, I tell you, when you're in a dark place, you get one little light, it gives you a glimpse of where to go. It tells you uh, you couldn't see the path before. Now you can see the path to get out of there. Just one little light shining in a dark place. And he says, you would do well to take heed to this prophecy of God's word as a little bitty light shining in a dark place uh, and uh, the, until the day dawn. And the day star rise in your hearts until you see it all in perfection. When, when the light is fully shining and God has fully revealed himself to you. In the meantime, take what little dab of light you have here from the word of God. Uh, as a light that shineth in a dark place. And I'll tell you, God's word today is a light in a very dark world that we're living in. The world, you know, uh, uh it seems to me that, that it just seems like the, it's getting darker and darker and darker. Uh, but as people say, uh, as the old saying goes, this is not biblical, I don't guess. But, you know, they say it's the darkest just before the dawn, right? Okay. Well, I'll tell you, uh, just before the coming back of Jesus Christ, we're going to be in a dark, dark place. But take heed to, the, to God's word, to this more sure word of prophecy as a light that shineth in a dark place until the, the day dawn, until the day star rise in your heart, knowing this first, no prophecy of the scriptures of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved 
by the Holy Ghost. So uh, he's telling us it's not up to you to say this means this and this means that. God's Word interprets itself, okay? And so go back, study Scripture, continue to know about the Word of God. God's Word reveals the things that you need to know. All right, so that's that's one of the last ones that we, that we said take heed, right? Turn back over to the uh, book of Galatians now. And we'll take a look, and I'll kind of, kind of try. I will try, kind of try, uh, to give a summary of some things that we have here in the book of Galatians, because uh, I need to get to the fifth chapter uh, of the book of Galatians, and uh, so I, I, so I'm not going to read through the entire first four chapters, okay? But I'll tell you, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Galatia, and he's concerned. You go back and read this. I'll challenge you. You give you got something to do for a Sunday afternoon or a Sunday night. Go back and read the book of Galatians. The Apostle Paul is concerned because he had established the church at Galatia. Uh, He had established them in the teachings of God's grace. Uh, And there seemed to be an element that was occurring there at the church at Galatia that uh, uh, there were those that were teaching the people there at the church uh, that they needed to go back under the law, at least some portions of the law. Uh, there were things like requiring the men to be circumcised again, uh, that this was a, a requirement for salvation or whatever. And so uh, Paul's having to come in and address this with them. And he does it in a letter. Uh, and as he writes this letter to him, he talks about. It. He says, "You know, I, I'm concerned. It, it troubles me that you so, you're so soon soon turned to another gospel, another good news, another uh, message about Christ, other than the one that I delivered to you. I'm surprised that you're so soon turned to another gospel." He says, "Which is not another gospel." In other words, uh, you can't be teaching on one hand that Jesus uh, Christ saves you one way, and he says. When, when the sure word of prophecy teaches you that it's another way, it, you're, you're turned to another gospel, he says, which is not another gospel. It's not another good news. And he says, there are those that are trying to put you back under bondage uh, of the law when the law never did, the law never did uh, take away your sins to start with. And he says, there are those coming along that are trying to put you back under the law, saying if you will do this and you'll do this and you'll do this, everything will, you know, everything will be all right. And he said, that's not how it was intended to be. He said, the law was a schoolmaster to lead us to Christ. It was just, what the law was intended to do was, and I'll give my summary of this, the law was intended to tell them what was right, what was wrong. It was also intended so that, uh, so that they could all see through the law that they were sinners and that they needed something more than, than themselves. So they set up sacrifices that they had to make, the shedding of blood of animals to, uh, to offer for certain sins and so forth. And, uh, and they were, there was the great principle behind the law that once a year, you know, they would gather together. Uh, they would celebrate the Passover. They would also, uh, another time, they would celebrate the atonement. Uh, there would be a sacrifice of a lamb for the Passover. That uh, At the atonement, there would also be... Uh, a goat that would be uh, be slain, and one goat would be set free, and one goat would be uh, uh, taken and, and, and killed. And all this was to point them toward the fact that there was something needed more than themselves, and that there was shedding of blood that was required of God in order to take away their sins. Uh, but it was something more than what they could do themselves, and the law was simply there to teach them that you're a sinner that stands in need of something more than yourself. 
Uh, and so, uh, uh, as they, as they were, as Paul is now writing to these folks, uh, and uh, I will I will read across some of this. Uh, but he says, uh, let's start here. He says, for chapter three. He says, "Oh foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ has evidently been set forth." crucified among you. He said, who, is, who has fooled you? Who has bewitched you? Who has deceived you that, you're, uh, uh, that you should not obey the truth? He says, because I know I've set the truth out before you, and this only would I learn of you, received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Did you, did you receive the Spirit in your life and I'm not talking about the new birth process, uh, but did, you, did God's Spirit become alive and evident unto you through the through the works that you did by the law or by the by the faith that was in your heart through the new birth? Is that how did it come apart about in your life? He says, "Are you so foolish? Have you begun in the Spirit? Are you now made perfect by the flesh?" Uh, in other words, you saw the benefits of the salvation of the grace of God and say, "Man." I am so thankful that God has forgiven me. And now you're trying to go back and, and, and work this out yourself through the deeds of your flesh and say, well, if I just pile up enough things here and get enough things right, everything will be all right with God. Did you, did you start out saying, thank you, God, for my salvation through your shed blood and through the Jesus Christ, my Savior. But now you're thinking, yeah, but if I'll just do this and this and this, everything, that really be the capstone to all of this. And uh, he says, uh, so... Uh, have you suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? And he says, Is he therefore that ministereth you to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? How did it come about that this man that's ministering among you, is it because he kept the law a certain way? And he goes on and, get, and lays out a, a, a real good case for some things as we go through this, because he talks about uh, uh, Titus and uh, Peter, maybe that was in the previous chapter, but he talks about how Titus was among them, and Titus was a Greek, uh, and Titus wasn't circumcised. And he said, look look at this man. He didn't. We didn't put him back under the law uh, in order to accomplish the things. So he says, even he therefore that ministered to you the Spirit, verse 5, uh, Galatians 3, uh, and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Is the man that's ministering among you now, is, is the things that he's teaching and preaching to you, is he, is, and the miracles that he's working, obviously he was, there were miracles being performed here in this Galatian church. Uh, and he says, is he doing it by the law? Is he doing it because he's going up and, uh, and making sacrifices and so, and so forth? Or is he doing it by, by the faith of Jesus Christ? So he says, even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, uh, God appeared to Abraham uh, when Abraham was living among a pagan people in, a, in a, what we would call modern-day Iraq, uh, Ur of the Chaldees. It was there in the Mesopotamian Valley uh, where Abraham grew up. And he says, uh, God appeared unto him and told him to leave his relatives and his kinfolks and to go to a place that God would show him. And Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to Abraham, well, not only in that case, but also in the case where God appeared to Abraham and told Abraham, says, you and Sarah are going to have a child. 
which they had no children at that point in time. And Abraham believed God that he would have a child, and he was already in his 70s, I think, at that point. He was 90 by the time, 75, and, and by the time he had the child, he was 90. And it says, uh, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Uh, okay, so he, he makes that point. He says, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Now, Abraham was a, Abraham was a Gentile. Uh, there were no Jews uh, at that point in time. Everybody talks about, especially among the Jewish faith, they'll talk about our father Abraham and our father Abraham. Uh, well, Abraham was a Gentile down, living down in Ur of Chaldees. There were no uh, Is- Israelites until there was a guy that was a descendant of Abraham by the name of Jacob, who God changed his name to Israel. And after that, the children of Israel uh, were were the 12 tribes of Israel, which were his, which were Jacob's children, okay? So uh, Abraham is a, is a Gentile. And yet Abraham believed God, and there were, oh, I guess the other thing, I think he makes this point here as we go through this, that the law... The, the, the giving of the law, the, the, the commandments that were given at Sinai came over 400 years after the life of Abraham. You had Abraham, you had Isaac, you had Jacob. The son of Jacob, Joseph, was the one that went down into Egypt, right? Uh, they sold him down there. His good old brother sold him down, uh, or allowed him to be carried off down there. And then uh, Joseph, over time, after being in prison and so forth, uh, was elevated to second in command in Egypt, uh, interpreted Pharaoh's dreams. Uh, because of the interpretation of the dreams of Pharaoh, uh, the, the children of uh, the, the land of Egypt was spared during the seven years of famine that they, they had. And Jacob and his remaining sons came down there to get food in Egypt and eventually went to live in Egypt and it was 400 years after that that God set the children of Israel free uh, and then about a year's journey to get to Mount Sinai by the time they got to Mount Sinai and given the commandments and the law and so forth during that next year they went to Mount Sinai were given the law so he tells us in another place that the law that was given to the children of Israel was 430 years later okay so from Abraham I'm you know was it three four hundred over four hundred years probably closer to 500 years after <coughs> after the time of Abraham that the children of Israel actually received the law itself okay and he says uh, Abraham believed God that God would bless him and his seed and he goes on here to tell us who that seed is that Abraham would uh, that God would bless Abraham and his seed and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, right? Abraham believed God. He didn't have a law. There was no law that, that existed for over 430 years after that. There was no law. So Abraham believed God without the law. And the Bible says it was accounted unto him for righteousness that he believed God. All right. I want to just establish all that as we're looking through this, okay? So he says, uh, even as Abraham believed, verse 6, as Abraham believed God, it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Boy, I'm telling you, that turns, that turns some teaching that people do today 
way upside down on its head, okay? Uh, do, you, do you, by faith, believe in Jesus Christ? Go ahead and nod your heads, okay? <laughs> so, you believe in Jesus Christ by the faith that God has given you? Yes. You know what that means? You are a child of Abraham. And there was a promise given to you as a child of Abraham. Now, I just want to get that all established in your minds here this morning, that you are children of Abraham by faith. All right, so he says, And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen, that's the non-Jewish people, the Gentiles, the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, who was a Gentile, saying, In thee shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. That turns some things on its head, doesn't it? Uh, to think about Abraham, who was a Gentile, is the one that the promises were given to. Anyway, that's a whole lot of a whole lot of teaching I'm not going down through this morning, okay? Uh, but he says, And when they which be of, the fa- of faith are blessed, so then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. We're his children. By f- How do we know we're his children in the sense that it's talking about here? Because you have faith. Uh, Abraham had faith, and he believed God. It was accounted unto him for righteousness. You have faith, and you believe in God. So in a sense, you are the child of Abraham. And he goes on and explains that as we get on into this a little bit. Getting to the fifth chapter is going to be amazing this morning, but we'll see how it goes, okay? For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. So whoever's saying, okay, well, I'm doing it by the law. The law is my thing. He says... Well, with the, here's a little trick. Uh, with the law comes a curse, all right? Because you got to do the entire law and keep it to a jot, to a tittle, in order to be able to uh, say that. For as many as are, for as many as are under the are of the works of the law are under the are under the curse. For it is written, "Cursed is everyone that continueth not in the things which are written in the book of the law to do them." So. Again, the law was not given to say to, to cure sin. In other words, uh, you're you're uh, you're keeping the elements of the law. And today, you know, there's new laws put on people that if you'll just do this and you'll just do this, uh, why well, you'll be saved. And he's going on and uh, and telling us here with the with the law comes a curse. All right, then, and he says uh, you have to keep all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. He said it's it's without contradiction, without uh, discussion, without argument that by the deeds of the law, no man stands justified before God. Now, you're not declared innocent by the works of the law. So uh, that for me and you... Uh, for me and you, that, that you ought to be saying, well, okay, but how is it? How is it a man is justified before God? That kind of becomes, if it's not by the law, if it's not by the keeping of the deeds of the law, then how is a man declared to be innocent or just or declared to be just before God? How is it that it happens then if it's not by thou shalt not sin, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not do this? You know, you don't have to probably go to, to through too many of those things. He said, woo. I'm not making it too good if you got to got to be about the law because I've I've messed this one up and I've, I've lied or I've stolen or I've done this and I've done that so 
man, I know if it's by the deeds of the law, I'm in, a, I'm in trouble, right? But he says, it's not by the deeds of the law. No man is justified before God by the deeds of the law. He said, it is evident for the just, those who are declared just, by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, the just shall live by faith. How, how, is you, how are you and I to live our lives? Uh, are we to live our lives every day saying, ooh, I messed up this one. Oh, I messed up that one. I'm in... You're living in fear every day. You're living under in condemnation every day because you know today I didn't do it. I messed up again. And he said, uh, so he says, the just are to live by faith. What is our, What are we to trust in? We're to trust that Jesus Christ died for our sins, set us free from those things, uh, and then we're to live in such a way that we're thankful for what he's done for us. We're, we're to live a life of faith, following after him, trusting him, even though we've not seen him uh, in the uh, going, ascending up into heaven like Peter did. We don't, we're not following cunningly devised fables, though, because we believe that what Peter recorded is the truth. We believe what John recorded is the truth. We believe what Paul recorded is the truth. We believe what Isaiah recorded is the truth. What Abraham, uh, what Moses recorded in Genesis and Acts, we believe these things are the truth. And so uh, uh, as we follow after this, uh, he says, The just shall live by faith. Trusting that Jesus Christ has done the finished work for you and me and that we can at least have peace and rest in knowing that heaven's my home, not because of what I've done, but because of what he's done. All right. And so he says, for the law is not of faith. You know, in other words, the law is not of faith. You get a list of things and just say, do it. It's kind of like telling, telling, giving your, giving a work list at home, you know. Well, you don't have to have faith, you don't have to have faith to do a work list. You just go out and do the list. It's nothing about faith, it's about doing. And he says, uh, uh, the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live by them. In other words, if you're, if you're trusting in the law, you got to do it, okay? And he says, <clears throat> And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. And he's giving you an Old Testament quote uh, to give you that scripture uh, there. So he says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. What is, what is the curse of the law? You're guilty. You're guilty, and and the curse, uh, the curse of the law says you're guilty, and uh, and you have to be put to death. But Christ died for us, and and took that curse away from us in that sense. Or I should say, not that you and I aren't going to die, but you don't have to suffer the the final penalty of death and being plunged into hell because of your sin but being relieved from that curse because uh, of what Christ accomplished on the cross. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. Abraham, a promise was given to Abraham. And the blessing of that promise came to you and me through Jesus Christ our Lord. That the blessing of Abraham might come on us through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it be but a man's covenant. Yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. 
people today will go back and look at that and say, well, that's the, that's the Jewish people. <laughs> to Abraham and his seed. Well, he's already told you that if you, be, uh, if you have faith, then you're the seed of Abraham, right? So he says, uh, now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not unto seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. The promises were given through Christ to all those that were given to Christ by God the Father and that he died for them upon the cross. And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, talking about now the time from Abraham to the time of Sinai, he says, uh, uh, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. So just because there was a law given 430 years later, it doesn't override or disannul the promise that was given to Abraham and that Abraham believed that he was going to have a seed through which all the nations of the earth were going to be blessed. Every tribe, every kindred, every tongue, every people on the face of the earth, there would be a blessed people among those tribes and kindreds and nations because of Abraham's seed, which was Jesus Christ. Now, And this I say that the covenant which was confirmed, verse 17, before God in Christ, the law which was 430 years afterwards, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise. How? Why is it no more of the promise? Because the promise was 430 years before the law. (laughs) So he says, the promise, uh, if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Abraham made a, uh, God made a promise to Abraham and it said it was 430 years before the law ever came along. And he says, wherefore then serveth the law? Why then are you bowing down to the law? For it was added because of transgressions. Why, why was the law given? You had a bunch of people that had been living down in Egypt for 400 years. Hadn't had daily communications, didn't have anything, didn't have, a, didn't have the word of God, didn't have anything. Uh, that teach them about what God expected of them. And he says, so the law was given for the, for the transgressions. They, they were living a lifestyle that was patterned after Egypt. Many in our nation today are living a lifestyle patterned after Egypt. <laughs> and you say, no, I'm not talking about living like the Pharaohs and walking around doing all this kind of... I'm talking about the fact uh, that the lifestyle of Egypt was an ungodly lifestyle, worshiping false gods and living any way you wanted to because there was nothing to restrain the thoughts of their minds and their hearts, okay? So he says, because of transgressions, when, when wherefore then serveth the law, it was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom... Whom the promise was made, and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Uh, so, hey, uh, we look at that. Um, uh, if you look at it, it was ordained by angels there on Mount Sinai. There was a great heavenly host there around, giving authority and, and agreement to the fact that God was giving to giving to them those things. Now, mediator is not a mediator one, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. You know, it's not like the law is some kind of uh, heathen thing that we say, okay, well, you know, just do away with the law. We're saved by grace, so it doesn't matter the law. No, he says, the law is not against the promise of God. It works with the promise of God. What the, the, the law doesn't accomplish what Jesus Christ accomplished. 
What Jesus Christ accomplished was mine, your salvation. But he says, but the law is there to tell you what you need to know. Uh, being saved by his grace, being redeemed by his blood. Now then the law comes along and says, you know, you're not to have any other God before God. There, you're, not to, you're not to call on any other name besides him. You're not to have idols. You're not to have anything else. Uh, you're, to, you're to not steal and you're to not lie and all these things. God gives us the law to teach us how to be better citizens of his kingdom better citizens in this world, how to live a life that's more pleasing before him. So he says, now, uh, is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness would have been by the law. If, if, if If the law had been laid out to give you the new birth, then just work the law and get born again, right? Well, that's not how it works. Uh, but he says, if there had been a law that had given life, he said, righteousness would have come by the law. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ be given to them that believe. I think one of the things that uh, that miss, is missed by much of the world today, and maybe not, maybe I'm kidding myself. Maybe maybe more folks get it than I think they do. But anyway, uh, a lot of things. The fact that the promise was given to the seed of Christ, to Christ's seed, which is the children of God that God gave to Christ. Okay, uh, the fact that it, that is the way that uh, that this works, uh, then. He goes on and tells us the law uh, then against the promise of God, God forbid, for if there had been a law that had given righteous, uh, there had been a law that could give a life that verily righteous would come by the law. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin. You know, the law was given to the children of Israel. But the children of Israel weren't the only ones that, had, that, didn't, that didn't keep the law. Okay, I'll, let me put it, put it that way. You know, we're all guilty. All nations were guilty. He says, the scripture hath concluded all under sin, right? All the descendants of Adam are sinners. All were concluded under sin. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. For, for the, you and I today, we have a promise that's given to us through belief. Uh, that doesn't come by any any other way. We can understand what God has done for us, and we can believe that just like God, uh, Abraham believed God. And there, what you know, what there's some assurance and some confidence looking forward uh, because of these things. I I think about you think about the promise, and, and this gets this gets off down another little trail. But I'll go down that trail just a little ways because kind of turns back to that in the fourth chapter of the book of Galatians anyway. Uh, but you think about the promise that was given to Abraham. God told Abraham that Abraham, uh, in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Now, he's just told us here in Galatians chapter 3 that seed was Christ. But that seed was also his child. Uh, without his child, there would be no seed, Jesus Christ. Okay, if you follow that, follow that. If Abraham didn't have a child, that seed to whom the promise was given, Jesus Christ, would have never come about in a in an earthly sense. So Abraham is there in the in the land of Canaan. God now he's now had a child. He's now had Isaac in the child of his old age. It was a promised child. 
in the fact that Abraham was in was in his nineties. The Bible tells us, especially if you turn over to the New Testament, you'd find over there Sarah, his wife was too old to have children. In other words, that time of life uh, for women had come and gone for her and that she was no longer able to have children, yet she had a child. How did she have that child? Because God intervened to bless her to have a child, even though it was naturally speaking, it was impossible. It's impossible for her to have a child by nature, okay? But not by, not by the uh, power, not to, uh, you know, without the power of God. It was, it was only possible through the power of God, that's what I'm trying to say. So the scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. There, but before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up under the faith, which should be afterwards revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. Okay, I'll go back now and kind of kind of sum up what I was trying to say a minute ago. Isaac was a child of promise. God promised Abraham that he would have a child, and that child with all the nations of the earth be blessed. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness or added to his account for righteousness uh, that he had believed God, okay? Now then, the Bible goes on and tells us here that we are like Isaac. We're promised children. The only way you and I can be born again is by the direct intervention of God in our lives. You are a promised child. If you've been born of the Spirit of God, it's because God uh, loved you before the foundation of the world and He saw to it that He intervened in your life and caused you to be born from above, which is impossible for you and I to make happen. You can't make it happen by the law. You can't make it happen by the keeping of the law. You can't make it happen by anything that you have power over. The only one that can make you born again is the power of God above And he was the only one that could give Abraham and Sarah a child. And Abraham believed God. And when uh, uh, some, uh, however many years later, I've heard different speculations on how old Isaac was. I've heard people say he was as as old as 33 years old, which would have made him the exact age of Jesus Christ. Uh, So I've heard different speculations on what Isaac's age may have been. But there came a time when God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, I want you to take your son your only begotten son, he wasn't counting Ishmael because Ishmael was by the flesh. He was talking about the child of promise, which was Isaac, okay? He says, I want you to take your son, your only begotten son, and I want you to take him to Mount Moriah, and I want you to offer him there to me as a sacrifice. <clears throat> Can you imagine? Think about your think about your only sons that some of you may have. <laughs> Uh, and some of you said, "Well, I got more than one." But think, if you you know, think about one of your one of your sons and say, "God has now commanded me to take my only son and take and offer him as a sacrifice to God." I said, wow, I don't know if I could do that. Well, I, I'll sit, stand here and say, "I don't know if I could do that." Okay, but God had given a promise to Abraham that in in thy seed, Abraham, shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And at the time he was telling Abraham to take Isaac to Mount Moriah and offer him there, Isaac had not yet had a child. 
had no descendants, had nobody that would follow after him. And God, uh, Abraham reasoned in his mind. I, I'll, I'll put it that way, at least in my uh, speculation on this and looking at this and discernment on this or whatever you want to say, uh, that over time you have to reason out that says, Abraham believed God that in him would all the nations, in his seed would all the nations of the earth be blessed. And Abraham knew that that was impossible unless Isaac lived. So he carried Isaac up to that mountain, built the altar, brought the fire with him. He brought the wood. He prepared to, he prepared to draw back and not only prepared, he drew back his knife to take his only son's life. And God stopped him, taught us the principle here in the very, on Mount Moriah in the days of Abraham of the fact that God would allow a substitute to come in and be sacrificed for our sins by, by showing Abraham that there was a, uh, 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 a ram caught over there in the, in the, in the uh, thistles, uh, and I'll just say this, caught in the briars. Uh, can you imagine there on the on the head of that ram was a crown of thorns that had him captured there over there. And Abraham was able to go get this one that was held by uh, a, a, a crown of thorns around his old horns and brought him over and sacrificed him in the place of his son Isaac. But Abraham had figured this out, all right? I, I, I believe Abraham had figured this out. Abraham knew that if he had taken his son's life, that God was the one that had caused him and Sarah to have that child to start with. In other words, he had already seen God had power to give life. Okay? And he says, if I follow God's instructions and do what he asked me to do, God is just as easy to raise him back up from the dead as he was to raise up Sarah's dead womb and give us a child to start with. Abraham saw the glory of a life-giving God. God then honored his obedience. And as he was obedient to do what God had commanded him to do, a sacrifice was brought in, a substitute sacrifice was brought in so that Abraham didn't have to live with the horror the rest of his life of taking his only child's life, okay? Wouldn't that have been terrible to think about that? Uh, you know, but there's also another picture in there for, for us of the God of heaven who allowed his only begotten son to come and die as a sacrifice for you and me. I mean, there's just pictures everywhere, right, of what's going on. Now then, so back to, back to, the, back to the story, Galatians chapter 3. So he says, uh, Before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up under faith, that, uh, which should afterward be revealed. In other words, the faith that we had of God is going to be revealed by the coming of Jesus Christ. And he says, But after faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. We're no longer under the law because we've seen what the law was pointing toward and what it was revealing to us. For ye are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ... Then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. 
we are going to be inheritors of the promise that was given to Abraham because you were in Christ. He says, if you be in Christ, then are you Abraham's seed. You're children of faith and the promise was given to you. So, Whew, that's a lot of that's a lot of that's a lot of preaching, right? <laughs> to talk about to talk about all these things. Day says, "Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all." So we, as heirs of God, we're also we're not any different from just servants, okay? Though he be a child, he differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all, it, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even so, when we were children and were in bondage under the elements of this world. In other words, we were under the law and didn't know what all God was doing for us. When we were under the bondage of the elements of the, of the world, when the fullness of time was come, God set forth his son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law. What law were you and I under, by the way? The law of sin and death. You and I were under the law that goes all the way back to the garden, right? The law that Adam transgressed in the garden caused you and I to be sinners. And we, and because the Bible says the day that you, if you're a sinner, you're going to surely die. And he says uh, to Christ came... Uh, in the fullness of time, in other words, at God's time, that's what I'm going to say is the answer to that, that expression in a sense. When it was God's time to send His Son, the Son came. And I'll, I'll tell you today, there's going to be another fullness of time, if you want to call it that. I'll use, I'll use that terminology. There's going to be another fullness of time when Jesus Christ is going to come back in the clouds. You know when it's going to be? Exactly when God says he wants him to come. That's exactly when it's going to happen. These things are the fulfilling of the law of God. Christ came in the fullness of time. He was made under, made of a woman, made under the law. Uh, you know, that. Don't, don't read over that like I just did, by the way. Uh, I'll slow, slow us all down. Made of a woman. He was not the seed of a man. He was made of a woman. He was of the virgin woman, Mary. He was made of a woman, made under the law. In other words, uh, except for his father's uh, heavenly father, uh, him being born, fathered by the Holy Spirit uh, and, and conceived in Mary's womb. Outside of that, he was made under the law just like she was. He, he was born of the flesh. Uh, he was man just like, uh, just like we are, except without sin because of his father, all right? So he says, uh, he came, he was made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons, all right? So I'll, I, I think I almost, maybe, maybe I'll do one more, uh, I'll do one more verse and then we'll, maybe we'll stop for today because I ain't even got to chapter five. So we'll just have to come back and look at this again because I want to get to a place over there where he's telling us in the fifth chapter. He says, Take heed, and he's talking directly to the church at Galatia. The church at Galatia, don't forget what I started out telling you. The church at Galatia had gotten confused, thinking they needed to go back under the law. Paul is writing them a scholarly letter here, telling them it's not the law, it's Jesus Christ. 
ye are the seed of the promised one. Don't get confused by trying to think you have to go back under the law. So then Paul jumps over. I'm going to jump over and give you the end before we get there. And then we'll come back next week and fill in the or the week after whenever and fill in the gap. Okay. But over in the fifth chapter of this, uh, this letter where he's telling them, don't go back under trying to go back under the law. Live in the liberty that God has set you free by his grace. And he says, don't use liberty for a cloak or for an occasion of the flesh. And he says, but serve one another. He says, for all the law is fulfilled in this, verse 14 now of Galatians 5, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. The warning to the church at Galatia was, don't bite and devour one another. Don't fuss and argue with each other over these things. All of you get back on the road to the truth and work together. But if you divide, if you bite and devour one another, he says, uh, you're going to you're going to be consumed one of another. What hap- what happens in so many churches? They bite and devour one another. Some it's usually not over the law. <laughs> it's not over some bunch of folks saying, "Well, we got a big controversy going on here. We got to keep the law, or no, we want it to be by grace." That's usually not the issues today. It's all a thousand other little issues that come up in the church, and they end up biting and devouring and being consumed one of another. Our challenge is not. And Paul wrote this whole letter, and he and you can use one issue here and say. Here's the issue that was facing Galatia. But for you and I, it could be another issue. And if we get to fussing and fighting and biting and chewing and going around and talking about each other and devouring one another, we'll end up consuming ourselves. And then you look around. Then you'll be like, then we, then we can be back like today. Of course, now this is 2,000 years later. But we can look back today and say, where's the church of Galatia today? Not there. What happened? Somewhere over time, people failed to love one another like they should and love the Lord and love His Word and walk together and try to serve Him. And over time, you say, well, maybe the Muslims came in and killed them all off. Well, that could have happened. That's part of the world that that could have very easily happened over there. So maybe that's what happened. I don't, but there is no church at Galatia anymore, okay? And I don't expect there, the things that uh, those last things that we talked about to be the downfall but it could, the other things could be the downfall here if we don't work together and love together and stay together with each other. May God bless you. Uh, take heed. <laughs> take heed. If you know, there's a lot of things we need to take heed to. Take heed that you don't bite and devour one another. You know what? That'll also carry over into your marriage. Take heed that you don't bite and devour one another in your marriage. Take heed that you don't bite and devour one another in your raising of your children. Take heed that you don't bite and devour one another on your jobs. Boy, we can just go on and on, right? May God bless you is our prayer.